You're listening to a sermon preached at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theupc.org. It's an honor to be with you. I do teach at Columbia Seminary, and I bring you greetings from your friends, sisters, and brothers there, people like Tad Schultz, who's one of our former students and now a graduate and alum of Columbia Seminary. Steve Hayner is the previous president of Columbia Seminary. Steve is an earlier iteration of Pastor Ryan, Pastor Janie. He served this congregation for a number of years. He and his spouse Cheryl served here as pastor for student ministries. It has been a hard, hard year at the seminary, the school where I teach. Steve was diagnosed at the end of Easter of last year with pancreatic cancer. Never been sick, really, in his life. He died at the end of January. Some of you accompanied Steve and Cheryl, followed them in their dying. It is such an honor to be here at University Church, where Steve found this vibrant call to student ministries that led him to Seattle Pacific University and to be the president of InterVarsity Christian Fellowship eventually, out of God's great sense of humor, called him to be a president of a theological seminary. It's an honor and a delight to be with you, and so I bring you greetings from Columbia. Oh, the conversation this day continues in this marvelous discussion in these weeks about freedom from, freedom from, and this is freedom from consumerism. Before that freedom from consumerism is this little phrase that I picked up having shopping experiences in Target a few weeks ago. You don't need that. Maybe you've heard this conversation. Perhaps you've been a part of it. I was in an aisle in Target in Atlanta, not too far away from my home. Sorry, Target, not too far away from my home. And I heard this little voice, distinctly little voice. I couldn't see. They were in the next aisle over. Little voice starts out, Mom, I, older voice, authoritative voice, no. <laughs> little voice tries again. But Mom, I, older, more authoritative voice, no. But Mom, you don't even, I know, no. <laughs> but I haven't even, no. Why? because you don't need it. Little voice, I was so intrigued by this guy. I know, but I want it. (laughs) Older voice, that's why I said no. (laughs) By now they had turned their cart into my aisle. I was frozen standing there thinking about this text and you, and you are so cool, Holy Spirit, and The mom looks at me sort of sheepish, and I smile. The little guy is right there, and he is not at all pleased. (laughs) You don't need that freedom from consumerism. So the text this day comes to us from Jesus' conversation with a ruler. This is Luke 18, verses 18 through 30. This same story appears in Mark and also in Matthew. Matthew calls this the rich, young ruler. Mark does not, and neither does Luke. Luke 18, 18 through 30, listen for the word of God. Follow along with me as you are able. A certain ruler asked Jesus, good teacher, 
What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. The ruler replies, I have kept all these commandments since my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, there is still one thing lacking. Sell all that you own and distribute the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. But when the ruler heard this, he became sad for he was very rich. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, those who heard it said, well, then who can be saved? And Jesus replied, what is impossible for mortals is possible in God. Then Peter said, look, we have left our homes and followed you. And Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not get back very much more in this age and in the age to come, eternal life. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we have the story about Jesus Christ, and he's teaching throughout the Galilee, and this ruler comes up. Uh, the ruler in the ancient world means this individual has education, has status, has wealth. People obviously would probably make way because he's a wealthy person. You would know that by the way he is dressed. You would know that by his entourage. You would know that this is someone who is someone. And he comes up to the Lord and he says to Jesus... Good teacher. Right away, Jesus seems miffed by that address. Why do you call me good? There's only one who is good, and that is God, the Father of us all, who is in heaven. One scholar posits that the reason why Jesus reacts that way is he realizes the only reason this ruler calls Jesus good teacher is he's looking for the right answer. Some of you know this. You're right there on the cusp of a B. Esteemed and brilliant professor. Thank you for your brilliant lecture. I wonder if I could like to my grade, please. Why do you call me esteemed and brilliant? What do you want? <laughs> Jesus is the same thing. Why do you call me good? There's only one who is good. God, who is the father and mother of us all. That's the only one who is good. What do I have to do to eternal, inherit eternal life? 
Jesus says, well, you know, there are commandments. Don't murder, don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't lie, honor your father and mother. The ruler says, I've kept all these. I got this. I know the rules. Jesus says, there's one more thing then. Sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and follow me. The ruler falls, goes away from the Lord. Jesus says, oh, it's so hard for the wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. Now this baffles those who are listening because there is this lousy theology of the day circulating that says if you have a lot of stuff, if you have status, if you have an education, if you have wealth, it must be because God loves you specially. It must be because God has chosen to favor you especially. Be careful. That is lousy theology. Because the inverse to that theology says that if you're poor, if you're oppressed, if you're struggling, it must be because you are inherently a bad person and God is distant from you. God hates you. That is stupid theology. Do not participate in that. But here, people are baffled. Well, but he's rich. Then who can enter the kingdom of God? Jesus says, you know, with human beings, Things are very, very challenging. But with God, things are possible. Could it be that you've called me, oh God? Peter blurts out, I love this. Well, we've left everything. You get that, right, Lord? Like, we left. We left careers. Okay, fishermen, but still. We left careers. We left homes. We left families. We left everything behind. And we have followed you. And Jesus says... Yes. Those who have left behind homes and careers and families and loved ones, even children, they will receive much in this age and eternal life to come. You can sense the disciples. Right? They hear the Lord say this and they're like, cool. <laughs> so, so, those of us who have left things behind and we're following you, we're going to be rich. We're going to have a lot of things. We're going to have power. We're going to be wealthy. We're going to have status. This is great. Oh, yet once again, followers of Jesus, the disciples who are right there, they're misunderstanding the nature of the gospel. It's the great challenge for you and for me. Because everything we read in scripture, right, comes through our lenses. And whether we like it or not, as Americans, our lens is one of consumerism. Whether we like it or not, our lens is one of 
understanding that we are supposed to get something back. If we give you something, we get something back. Why is this so hard? If I dare to allow you to merge in front of me on I-5 or I-90 because I am a true follower of Jesus, you are supposed to emphatically wave and let me know what a good follower of Jesus I am. If you do not, it is clear that you are a heathen and you should should not be merging in front of me. Why is this so hard? Everything in our lens is consumerism. So I was intrigued when I was reading this book that just was published this month. It's titled The Year Without a Purchase. One Family's Quest to Stop Shopping and Start Connecting. Scott and Gabby Dannemiller, 10 years ago, served as missionaries for the Presbyterian Church among the poor in Guatemala. Through that amazing experience as mission persons in Guatemala, they committed to living a simple life following Jesus. They finished their missionary stint. They moved to Nashville. They have two kids now. And what Scott and Gabby realized about a year and a half ago is they were on the treadmill of consumerism. And they decided to stop. The proposition was this. If you couldn't eat it or use it in a year, we didn't buy it. So stuff like um, shampoo and laundry detergent and toilet paper, thanks be to Jesus, that made the list, right? <laughs> Foodstuffs, that made the list. But this book, which just was released, and it was a marvelous fast read. It's funny, it's poignant, it's convicting. They're talking about how hard it has been as Americans to live a year not buying anything. You don't need that. I know, but I want it. I know, but you don't need it. Scott and Gabby talk about this transactional nature, the difference between wants and needs. It's exactly what the Lord is raising with this rich young ruler. And it is so insidious, it is embedded in us all. It is embedded in me. Oh my goodness, I cannot believe this. Even when I'm trying to follow Jesus and be generous, I still am in this transactional idea, right? So um, when I go to work, when I teach at school, I need to get something back. When I go to worship, I expect to get something out of the sermon. Otherwise, it's been a waste of my time. When I am in this relationship, I expect to get something out of this relationship. We live in a transactional mentality every single moment of every single day. We Americans are the greatest consuming generation in the history of the world. And we have been honed and shaped this way. So that even when I try to set that aside, I find I'm still being transactional. So I was flying back to Atlanta after preaching and teaching all weekend at one of our churches. Weather delay in Atlanta, so I was later than usual. I had to teach class the first next morning, Monday, and I ran by this grocery store, which is convenient, on the way home, right? And I get 
my cloth bag Jesus loves me especially and my green basket and I go in and I get less than 10 things because the sign says 10 things or less. And I get my less than 10 things, I stand in line and I am in front of of an African-American woman who's already there, small, older. She has more than 10 things. And I stand there and I look at her. I'm tired. I just want to go home. I've preached about God the entire weekend. (laughs) And I realize in a moment that she doesn't have enough on her EBT government card or her cash to pay for all the things that she's selected. So she is having the clerk scan each item, tell her how much it is, and negotiating what she's going to take home that night. That is something I have never had to do. I look at the clerk and I say, how much is she short? And the clerk looks at me and says, excuse me? And I said, how much, if she gets everything, how much does she need to get everything? And the clerk says, uh, about $20. I reach into my wallet, I give the clerk $20. The clerk says, you're, you're giving me, tw- yeah, just take, just pay everything. The clerk says, okay, rings everything up, there's some change. The clerk looks at me and says, do you? I said, just give it to her, it's fine. She gives it to the woman, she gets her stuff, she begins to move away. She stops and turns back. Ah, yes you are, of course. You're gonna look at me, profusely thank me, tell me you must be a follower of Jesus. (laughs) If I'm honest, at that moment, I'm convinced that God in heaven has stopped all of heaven's activities. God has said to the angels, to all the saints, just wait, just look, look, just wait, look. Look, my servant Roger, who I specially love. Look at how, oh, this is so, look, oh my God, tear, tear, look, I love this guy. She looks up at me for a moment. This woman glares at me and she says, you never looked at me. And she turns around, takes her groceries and walks away. Uh, uh, um, that's not how this is supposed to play out. We're in a transactional society, ma'am, and I just did something magnanimous and generous because I love the Lord. You're supposed to profusely compliment me and thank me. Now, the clerk at this point is incensed. She's like, ma'am, excuse me, are you, no, you are not gonna pull attitude on this man. No, excuse me, ma'am, this big, this big oriental man, he just gave you some money. No, you, no, you are not gonna. And I said to the clerk, actually, ma'am, She's right, because I wasn't being generous. I really was being selfish. 
because it's all about me. The clerk is confused. And she looks at me and says, you were being selfish just then? I said, yes, I really was. She says, well, honey, if you want to be selfish on me, be selfish on me. Go ahead. Go ahead. Be selfish all you want. What do I have to do, Lord, to get eternal life? How transactional is this gospel after all? How do I get to this table? How do I earn this, these signs and symbols of your love? Friends, there is nothing in the gospel of Jesus Christ that is transactional. This is a table that is not earned, that is not privilege, that is not status, that is not power, that is not wealth. This is a table of grace. God saw you first. God created you in God's own image. God loved you so much that God gave his only son for you. This is a table of grace. That's what this is about. And when we turn this into a table of transaction and consumerism, we dishonor everything that God in Jesus has gifted to us by the grace of God. You don't need that. I know, Mom, but I want it. I know. But you don't need that. Friends, freedom from consumerism. Because we have this amazing gift that I spend my entire life trying to understand that I cannot comprehend that the God of the universe would die for you and for me. That's the gift of grace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. For more UPC audio, or to find out about service times, visit us at upc.org. All online audio is available on CD and cassette. To order copies of sermons and classes, please visit upc.org slash audio, email audio at upc.org, or call 206-524-7301, extension 117.